Well, we're glad you're here. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Mark, the eighth chapter. While you're turning there, we want to welcome our good friends, Doug and Lane. They're somewhere in here. Where they are? Oh, there they are. All right. They always move on me. They never, okay. I'm afraid I'm going to spot them. I didn't spot them last week, or I mean, the last time they were here until the very end of the message. I want to, uh, let, let's have a word of prayer together, and I, I'm going to tell you the topic we're going to talk about. Father, we're thankful for your goodness and your love. How precious and how gracious you are to make sure that there would be a way for us to find you, to come to you, Father, to redeem our lives. We thank you for that. We just ask you to have your way today in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let me read this passage. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? I want to speak to you today for just a little while on understanding Jesus. How many of you have ever had a problem understanding someone? I was uh, working in a factory, and one of the foremans in the other department had, was Vietnamese, and he'd come over. And I hadn't done any mission work at that time, so it was very difficult for me to pick up on his accent. And he was trying to tell me uh, what to do, and I kept leaning over the truck, and I said, I, I, what'd you say? And I could tell he was getting frustrated, and I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't help it. I couldn't, I wasn't getting what he was saying, and I, I looked at him, I said, man, I said, I, I'm sorry, I don't understand you. And he looked at me, and he said, then open up your ears and listen. <laughs> and as, as much as I wanted to understand, I couldn't understand. Same thing happened when I went to Trinidad, the pastor, uh, I was in the vehicle with him, and I discovered that he talked differently to me than when he was talking to someone on the street. How many of you talk differently to your friends? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, how many, young people got all these catchphrases, you know, like, hey, that's cool and far out. Oh, maybe. That's, <laughs> all those young people are sitting in the pews today. <laughs> we got grandchildren. So, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. That every, every generation has their catchphrases, and sometimes it's difficult to communicate. The pastor got out of the vehicle, and he was talking to his friend on the sidewalk, and, man, they were going at it. And I was, man, I was listening intently. When he got back in the car, I said, what, what were you speaking? He said, what, what do you mean, what I was speaking? I said, what, what language was that you were speaking? He said, I speak in English, man. You don't understand English? And I thought... And I looked at him, and I said, man, that's not like any English I've ever heard before. But it had that Caribbean twang to it. Now, after I'd been there for a while, I caught myself, and they all laughed at me because I was in a church service, and I, I caught myself using some of their twang. And I was, I was preaching. I said, what the man say? And all of a sudden, man, they just looked at me, and they all bust out. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm, 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 I'm catching it. <laughs> so sometimes we have difficult understanding. How many of you have ever had a difficult time understanding someone you love? You know I'm talking about? Matter of fact, how many of you have ever used this phrase? I just don't understand you at all. I, just, I mean, I just, what were you thinking? I, I don't understand. And so there's this gap that we have in understanding. The scripture that I read Today, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he's asking them, what's the word on the street concerning me? Who, who do people say I am? What are they saying about me? And uh, they looked at him and said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. Some say you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah. There was, a, there was a whole whole slew of identities that they had ascribed to him. You see, 
they had seen him, but they didn't know him. Now let's talk about some of the things that they had seen him do. These, these are people, if you start in the first chapter of Mark, and you read down to the eighth chapter where this is at, here are a list of things that they had seen him do. They saw him cast out demons, cleanse a leper, restore a withered man's, a withered, restore a withered hand on a man, calm a raging sea, stop a woman from hemorrhaging to death, raise the dead back to life. He fed more than 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, walked on water, made the deaf hear and the dumb speak. He opened up the eyes of the blind and he healed hundreds of people of their sickness and their diseases. They understood he was special, but they didn't know him. They all had their idea about who Jesus was, Elijah, prophet. How many of you know that much hasn't changed today? That there are still people that have their idea about who God is, and they ascribe their belief system to God. Let me, let me just kind of say this, and don't anybody get offended at what I'm going to say, but what you believe about God doesn't make it true. <laughs> I said, hey, don't get mad at me. This right here is what makes it true. That you see, everybody, you say, I can't believe you said that, Pastor. How many different religions are there in the world today? And they all have a different belief system about him. Now, I'm not a rocking scientist, but I'm smart enough to know everybody can't be right. Well, then who's right? Well, of course, everybody says, I am. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm right. Doesn't that feel good? I'm right. Come on, we do it all the time at home, don't we? I'm right. Just admit you're wrong. And we, we get into this thing, but the truth is that it's not about us. It's all about him. And this tells us who he is. And if it's not in here, then that's not who he is. I, you know, you can have all kinds of beliefs, I mean, but right here, this is the foundation of who he is. It's his word. They knew he was special, but they didn't know him. So he cuts to the chase. He looks at his disciples and, you know, he's had them explain to him who everybody else thought he was. And then he asked this question. He said, what about you? Who do you say I am? Who do you think I am? And Peter Man, before anybody gets a chance to say anything, Peter responds, and he said, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ, the Son of God. And man, you talk about something getting in the atmosphere. And all of a sudden, Jesus looked at him and he said, Peter, he said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my Father in heaven is revealed it. And so he begins to talk about that, look, we, you, you understand who I am. Now, we need to ask ourselves that same question. Who do you say he is? We live in a world right now where the, the, the atmosphere or the culture has changed. Jesus is no longer embraced. He's disparaged. Even people in the political realm, they'll use him as a convenience, but when it comes to what's in the book, they stand firmly against it. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you, you, you don't get this. We've got parents that don't even tell their children about Jesus anymore. There's no mention of him at home. They don't pray with them. There's no, there's no word written or read to them. They don't mention him anymore. So we've got to make sure that we understand who he is. We, do we declare him before men or do we hide him from them? How many of you have ever, well, I'm not going to ask it that way. Let me just say this. If he's not God all the time, then he's not God at all. 
I said, if he's not God all the time in your life, then he's not God at all. There's some folks that he's God when they're hanging around their Christian friends. But if they got another group of friends that hang around, well, he's, he's not God. He, they don't talk about God. And I'm thinking, how can I? I had somebody tell me one time, I wish you would just be quiet about that God of yours. I looked at him, I said, man, I can't help myself. I said, I'm going to talk about God wherever I'm at and wherever I am because if there's one thing that needs to be talked about, it's him. How can you not talk about someone you love? I'd like you to meet this stranger. I don't know who she is. She just hugs me a lot. I'm getting to know her better. <laughs> oh, man, it's a, if it, when you know someone, you want other people to know them. I talk about, when I talk about Debbie, and no matter where you go, everybody talks about Debbie's hugs. Man, if I could package those things and sell them, I'd be a rich man. Everybody, talk, when, I, when we were traveling, I had, we were at a church, and some guy goes, man, I love, I love your wife's hugs. I said, what? <laughs> you do what? We had to have a come to meeting, I mean, a come to Jesus meeting. No. So everybody knows, everybody knows Debbie's hug, that she, that, that she loves you and she cares. Well, I know that about her, but I know her. I know, I've, people have said, that's got to be fake. She, believe me, it ain't fake. It's the real thing. What you see is what you get. And so we've got to learn that our life for God cannot be separated from our life in the world. Hear what I'm saying. There are some people that they come to church, we go through the motions, we do everything, but then when we get out there, it's like we don't even know him. We don't talk about him. We don't share him. He said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'm going to be ashamed of you before my Father. You need to understand Jesus. So Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. But then something unique happens. You see, Peter knew him, but Peter didn't understand him. Have you ever been there? Oh, come on. You ever find yourself in a spot in your life where you didn't understand what God was doing? You knew him, you loved him, but you just couldn't understand See, and when we get into a place where we don't understand, it gets a little difficult for us. When, when things don't go like we planned, we begin to question. Listen to what happens in verse 31, Mark 8, 31. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. I'm sorry, there's no room for sad stories in my theology. We believe it's all victory and sunshine all the time. It's because you don't understand Jesus. Like the song said, I've never seen a rainbow till after the rain. I've never known his healing power till after the pain. I've never seen the sunrise till after the night. And I've never known the victory till after the fight. You've got to make up your mind that no matter what's coming your way, you're going to stand up and declare he's God, he's able. Job made a statement and said, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. I understand that it may not always be sunshine, but weeping may endure for a night, but my friend joy cometh in the morning. It ain't over yet. Peter didn't understand that. Peter just had, listen, this follows right up. Peter had just declared, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Oh, that's great, Peter. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. And then right after that, he says, you know, I'm going to get whipped and beat and crucified. And, and Peter goes, say what? 
hey, Jesus, we need to talk. Come up here, Rick. You need to shut your mouth because I ain't going to happen to you. <laughs> the Bible said that Peter rebuked Jesus. That's right. Can you believe this? That's right. He's, he, because he doesn't understand, he starts rebuking him. Said that, that, that's never going to happen to you. Be that far from you. Be that far. And then it gets reversed. Stand over here. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, see, when, when you don't understand Jesus, it'll cause, it'll cause you to say stuff you ought not say. That's right. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, zip it. How many, how many of you, there have been times in your life where you said, I should have kept my mouth shut? I was waiting to see if that hand went up. Where, where we shouldn't have said anything. And we, but, but how many of you know that sometimes... It's just hard to keep your mouth shut. And, 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 and it's just like, no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. And then all of a sudden it comes out, man, like a volcano. It just pours out of you and, and then you can't stop it. It's like, you ever get sick and start throwing up and couldn't shut the faucet off? And then even when there was nothing left, I was going, it's like we don't get it, man. We just regurgitate stuff out of our mouth because we don't understand it in our head. That's right. And we end up saying those things, and then he, Peter's rebuking Jesus, and then Jesus turns around and says, Peter, I understand you're having a hard day. <laughs> Peter turned around and looked at him and said, Get behind me, Satan! That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm th don't come in an agreement and being Satan, man. Okay, okay. So he said, he said, get me, he said, go, he, he goes, get behind me, Satan. He said, because you savor the things of man and not of God. Do you understand why? I always thought, man, that is so, you know, I mean, Jesus is up in his face. Here's why. It's because Jesus didn't want to die. How do you know that? Just read what he prays in the garden. He said, Father, there's any way let this cup pass from me. But Jesus understood that there was a plan that was bigger than the pain he was going to suffer. That there was, there's a plan that's bigger than what you're going through right now. And Peter is trying to tell him it doesn't have to happen that way. And he's already, it's all Jesus can do to, to have accepted it, received it, and now he's getting ready to walk through it, and he's got somebody telling him, no, you don't have to go through that. And he's saying, man, keep your mouth shut. I don't need to hear that. Get me. That's why he, ref that's why he uses the term Satan, because Satan would have liked to kept him off the cross. That's right. Thank you. Give him a big hand, would you? Peter didn't understand that there was a bigger plan that God had and that the suffering that Jesus was going to go through would be for a moment, but what he would do through that would last for an eternity. It helps us when we understand that what we're going through right now isn't the final chapter in our book. That what we're experiencing when you're going through a difficult time or something that you don't understand, you don't have to understand to believe. You don't have to understand to trust. All you have to do, you don't have, let me say it this way, you don't have to understand your situation. All you need to do is understand Jesus. And when, when you understand Jesus and you understand the love that he has for you, it will change things. 
I don't know what that was, but I got a witness from it. <laughs> when we understand who Jesus is, it gives us a bold faith. Somebody say bold faith. Check this out. So there's a giant that's been withholding or, or, or challenging an entire army for 40 days. And not a man in that army could meet the giant's challenge. This guy's nine feet and nine inches tall. The head of his spear is 15 pounds. The head of it, not the, just the, not the shaft, just the head of it is 15 pounds. The armor he wears is 150 pounds. And he wears it like it's nothing. And he's marching out and he's, and, and he's challenging them, send me a man to fight. Nobody would move. But all of a sudden, a young boy came into that battlefield that understood God. <laughs> and when he came out and he made his boast, that young boy said, who does he think he is to find the armies of the living God? It'll give you boldness, man. He wasn't putting that on. And all of a sudden they said, they said, you can't go find me. He said, let me tell you something about my God. I, I tended some sheep and a lion and a bear tried to destroy them. But my God delivered the lion into my hand and he delivered the bear into my hand and he'll deliver this giant into my hand. Understand him. There's a passage that I want to read to you in the book of Luke. And it shows you about this bold faith that takes place when you understand who Jesus is. Luke 7, verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Everybody say amazed. How many of you know that God don't get amazed easy? It takes something to amaze God. As a matter of fact, the King James Version said that Jesus marveled. When he heard it, he, he was just in wonder. He was in awe. And this is what, the, the, and I'm going to get to what he heard. He, Jesus is amazed. He said, turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And when the officer's friend returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Now, let me give you the story. There's a centurion. He's a, he's a ruler over Roman army. He has a servant that he loves dearly, and the servant's about to die. He went to the Jewish elders and asked them to please go to Jesus and ask him to heal my servant. The Jewish elders go to Jesus, and they looked at Jesus, and they said, Lord, this man is worthy that you should perform this miracle for him. He said, he loves our nation. He built us a synagogue. A Roman soldier whose allegiance is supposed to be to Caesar, and they considered Caesar like a god, turned his heart to the real God. Built a synagogue for them. So Jesus says, okay, we'll go heal him. Jesus gets close to his house, and the centurion looks out the window and sees him coming, and he sends some friends out there to talk to him. And the friends stop Jesus, and they say, uh, our master sent us out here to tell you that he's not worthy for you to come into his house. Matter of fact, the reason we're here is he said he's not even fit to be in your presence. He said to tell you, just speak the word and his servant will be healed. And this is the explanation he told us to give you. And he's a man that's under authority himself. And when his commander tells him to do something, he does it. And he said, and not only am I under authority, but I also have authority. So when I tell my servants to do something, I know they're going to do it. All you have to do, Jesus, is speak the word. What's he saying? He's saying, I understand who you are. 
Not only do I know who you are, I understand who you are, and all you've got to do is speak a word, and the devil has got to go. All you've got to do is speak a word, and that things are going to change. Oh, you need to get a hold of that. You need to hear what I'm saying. We need to quit standing around, hanging our head down, singing the blues, get a backbone instead of a wishbone, and begin to say, God, I trust you. I believe you. I know if you said it, that settles it. I hear people make a statement. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. I got news for you. God settled it, or God said it, that settles it whether you believe it or not. His Word. When you understand who He is, it causes a response from you. When you understand who Jesus is, you don't just patty cake. You speak His Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I understand who Jesus is. I, you know, they got all this stuff going on about these superheroes now. You remember, somebody let me borrow your glasses quick. I was a kid. You remember this? Oh, gosh. We're going to pray for healing here in a little bit. <laughs> remember what, you remember, you know, Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. How many times do you think he, and everybody, you know, pushed him around, they, you know, Clark Kent, you know, and all. How many times do you think that he pulled those glasses down? <laughs> Go ahead, make my day. <laughs> you, I know you see Clark Kent. But if I ripped open my shirt, you'd see a big S on my chest. It stands for saved by the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> you, you see just a mild-mannered reporter. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I've been made more than a conqueror through Christ. And I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor no things to come, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's he saying? Hey, let me, while I got, while I got these, how do I look right now? Like a shadow. Like a shadow. Put those on. Now how do I look? Like Pastor Rick. Like Pastor Rick. So, what did his glasses do to me? Huh? His glasses didn't do a thing to me. His glasses let him see me the way I really am. David said, come magnify the Lord with me. What was he saying? He's saying, let's get a look at who he really is. Let's, let's quit putting all these things on him and putting him in a box and trying to hold him back, and let's just take a look at how God really is. Somebody shouted with me, understand him. When you understand him, you'll speak the word. How many of you got somebody you need to see saved? Wave your hand you got somebody you need to see saved. Speak the word. Oh, you got to be kidding. It can't be that simple. It wasn't that simple. He did the hard part. Just speak the word. Well, what if I speak the word and it doesn't happen? What if you speak the word and it does happen? That, do you understand? Job settled that issue. He said, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. What was he saying? He's saying, I don't care how this comes out. I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to declare him. I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to stand upon what he said. And then he goes on to say, and in my flesh, I'll see God. My mom was laying on a sick bed, and I'd been praying for her and asking God to heal her. And she'd gone into a coma, and it seemed like nothing was changing. 
And then all of a sudden that scripture became real to me when it said, in my flesh, Job made the statement, he said, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him, and in my flesh I'll see God. So we had to unhook my mother from a machine. She was full of infection, and I stayed in the room, and I started talking to her. I said, Mom, I said, Jesus is coming to get you. I said, don't be afraid. She hadn't opened her eyes for three days. She opened her eyes, and they were all milky, like there, there was nobody there. She closed her eyes again, and I said, Mom, I said, don't be afraid. I said, Jesus is coming. I said, just, just reach out form. He's coming for you now. She opened her eyes again and they were bright and clear and I tell you she saw him in her flesh. Before she stepped out of this life she'd seen him and can I tell you there was no pain, no fear. Mm. Jesus goes on in this passage in Mark when he declared, when they declared who he was, he said, now you need to understand some things about me. He said, I'm going to suffer, but in three days I'm going to raise up again. He said, there's something else you need to understand. If you're trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you're willing to lose my life, or you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. What was he saying? He's saying, do not allow temporal things to determine how you understand God. Don't allow things that, because, you know, sometimes we get into this messed up way of thinking. My air conditioner went out. God must not love me. Matt, does God love you? Is he up there? He's in that room. Does God love you guys? Yes, he loved them. They've been out of air. I've been trying to get them air. I thought, man, I'm going to go buy me a block of ice and put it in the middle of their room. I've, I've been trying to get some cool to them. But how many of you know that just because something happens that's not pleasing to you doesn't mean that God doesn't love you? Oh, you need to shout that out. You need, can I tell you something? If the devil ever finds out that he can manipulate you with circumstances to make you feel like God doesn't love you, you're always going to have mess going on in your life. There's always going to be something going on in your life. But the mo I remember we were in a, man, a 1971 motorhome, Frito-Lay truck. Looked just like a Frito-Lay truck. We're going down the interstate. It quit pulling. I mean, just stop pulling. There we are. Thank you. <laughs> I turned around and I looked at Debbie, and she looked at me and she, you know, man, and it's hot. And, we're, and I looked at her and I said, he'll do it again. Just take a look at where you are now and where you have been. Oh, come here. Hasn't he always come through for you? He's the same now as then. You may not know how. You may not know when. But he'll do it again. If you don't clap, I'm going to sing it again. <laughs> You just, look, it's not about whether or not you're in tune. It's about whether or not your heart's in tune. Whether or not you can, in the middle of your turmoil, raise your hands and shout hallelujah anyhow. <laughs> whether or not you can look the devil in the eye and say, you know what? You gave it your best shot, but I'm still in love with Jesus. And I still know that he loves me. Speak the word. When you speak the word, it changes things. You need some deliverance? Need a little bit of redemption? Speak the word. Colossians 1:13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into his kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. What about provision? Any of you ever needed God to provide? I've had folks that hold back. You know, they, they oh, I can't, I can't give, man. I ain't got enough to make ends meet. I can't give. That's why you don't have enough to make ends meet, because you don't give. 
What are you talking about? Jesus said, consider the sparrows. They don't soil, I mean, they don't toil or spend, or <laughs> consider the sparrows. He said, they don't plant or sow, but God feeds them. He cares for them. He said, aren't you worth more than sparrows? He said, have you looked at the lilies? They don't toil or spin, but God cares for them. He said, Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these, but I can't, can't give because ain't, do you know when I learned, when I understood Jesus, I had to sit down, man. There was time in my life where we were, you know, financially strapped in the beginning of our marriage, and man, it didn't look good, and things were bad, and somebody was saying, well, and, 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 well if you just, maybe you could quit giving to the church. I looked at him, I said, that is not an option. So what do you, what do you mean? I said, that's not, I said, that's not going to happen. Do you know that the devil will always try and manipulate you to hold back from God because he knows if you'll be faithful, there's breakthrough coming for you. I said, there's breakthrough coming for you. Can I tell you that weeping may endure for a night, but what comes in the morning? Joy. So I went through that, that, that night of weeping, but can I tell you joy came in the morning when all of a sudden I had a bigger house, a better house, a nicer house, and somebody gave me enough money to pay it off. Oh, don't get excited about it. I was excited enough for both of us. What are you, what are you saying? That came right after we paid a mortgage of a church off. You don't try and rationalize with God. You just believe him. Amen. Somebody say, believe him. Believe. Are you ready to believe God? Are you ready to speak the word? Stand up with me right now. Do you want to see revival break out in your life? Yes. Speak the word. Speak, speak the word. The Lord told me a few weeks ago, he said, stir up the gift that's inside of you. I've been praying, God, stir it up. Stir it up. Mike, can, let, me, let me just share this with you, and, and, and we're going to pray. How many of you ever heard of A.A. A. Allen? A.A. A. Allen was a minister back in the 50s. He went around with tents, and he held crusades. R.W. Schambach used to go to his meetings. He was part of his meetings, and he would teach like in, or sing. And he said that he remembered an occasion where there was a lady that had come to one of those meetings and she had a four-year-old boy whose arms were twisted, his legs were twisted, he, he, he had club feet, he had no toes or anything like that, his feet were club feet, he, he was blind, it was just like murky pools in his eyes, his tongue hang out of his mouth, he'd been diagnosed with 26 diseases. She'd been in that meeting for about a week. She'd spent her money for hotels, for food, and they never prayed for her son. They would take cards and they would pull cards out to pray, but her, her, her son's card had never gotten pulled. She went up to Shambach that afternoon or that morning and she said, Brother Shambach, she said, I've, I've got to go. I'm down to my last $20. She said, I, all I've got left is $20. She said, I've still got to make it home. I, I've got to have money to eat. And said, they haven't prayed for my son. He looked at her and he said, you stay around for tonight's meeting. And I promise you, if he doesn't pray for your son, I'll take your son to his trailer and make him pray for your son. So she stood in the meeting that night, and he said that night, A.A. Allen came out and said something he'd never heard before. He said, I want you to give a gift that's sacrificial. He never heard that type of talk before, and he thought, well, what's he saying? And then he explained it. He said, what that means is, I want you to give more than you can afford. He said, because when you give more than you can afford, that's a sacrifice. Guess who was the first person down front to give in that offering? That little lady jumped up from the back of the building, ran down and threw a bill into 
that bucket, and Shambach said, he said, I was nosy. He said, I walked out there and looked down in that bucket. She'd given her last $20. He said, I went behind the platform and started crying and said, God, I've been trying to teach this woman faith all week long, and now I'm asking you to give me the type of faith she has because I don't know if I could have done that. He said, when she gave that offer, he said the service shifted, and Brother Allen got up and he said, I see a building. Shambach said, oh no, here we go again on another trip. He said he'd been in his meetings long enough. He knew how A.A. Allen operated. He said, I see a building. He said, it's a hospital. Shambach said, well, of course it's a hospital. And he said, he was, he was a little, being a little cynical. And all of a sudden he said, I, I, I know where I'm at. He said, I hear babies all around me. He said, wait a minute. He said, I, I see a woman. He said, there's a baby and it's born, it's been born with six, no, no 12, no, no 26 diseases. And Shambach about fell apart. He said, now I see a lady in a vehicle. She left Tennessee to come to Alabama. I see her crossing the state line. You've been here all week. You've spent everything you've got. He said, bring that baby up here. God's going to give you a miracle. <laughs> she went running up there and held, handed him her baby. A.A. Allen said, I want everybody to close their eyes and begin to pray. Shambach said, I wasn't about to close my eyes. He said, I was watching this. Said when he started to pray, the first thing that happened, he said, I watched that baby's tongue snap like a rubber band and go back in its mouth. He said, I saw those pools that were just blurry begin to turn, and he said, and brown eyes appeared. He said, I heard those arms start snapping and they popped into place. He said, the legs started cracking and they popped into place. And he said, and I watched feet that it, he said, it looked like silly putty starting to form. And he said, and toes came out on that feet. And he said, and when it was done, he said, God has healed this baby of these 26 diseases. He set that baby down. That baby hadn't walked in its life. They told her it wouldn't live past one. It wouldn't make it to his first birthday. Four years old is the first time that child ever walked, and he ran. It's the first time he'd ever seen his mama. He reached for her, jumped up in her arms, and said, Mama, <laughs> Mama. <laughs> she understood who he was. When she heard the word, she understood who he was. God has spoken a word into your life. He's a delivered a word for us that tells us that by his stripes we were healed. It tells us that he'll never leave us or forsake us, but he'll go with us to the end of the world. We have to believe his word, speak it. But you can't speak it if you don't understand him. Just saying it isn't going to make it happen. You need to know him and you need to understand him. Shambach said she got a letter or he got a letter from that lady a few months later and said, I just wanted you to know that out of all the miracles that took place that night, he said, I came back and took my child to the hospital and they wouldn't let me have him back. They kept him for a week. They brought in every doctor that had examined him to look at this. And they wrote on his paperwork, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. He said, not, not, only, not only the things that you could see had been healed, but the 26 diseases were gone. She said, Brother Shambach, she said, I gave my 20 that night. Said after it was over and that meeting was over, said a lady came up to me and shook my hand and I felt a piece of folded paper in my hand. And said, I looked and said, God gave me my 20 back. 
said other people started coming up and shaking my hand said before it was over there was $237 in my hand he said <laughs> she said God had paid for my trip had paid for my food and had healed my baby and gave me more money than I had when I was going home how many of you ready to speak his word Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, I understand who he is. I understand who he is. This is what I want you to do. If you're in here today and you need healing for your body, I want you to come up here. If you need a financial miracle, I want you to come up here. Let me say something to you. I don't want you to get mad at me, but I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're not faithful in giving, then don't look for a miracle. Because if you won't, he said, how will a man rob God? It's the only place in Scripture that he says, try me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing you can't contain. What's he saying? He's saying, if you'll trust me with your finances, I'll give you plenty of finances to trust me with. We've got to speak the word. This is what I want you to do is say, come out here to sing. If you've got a need, I want you to come up here right now, very quickly. I'm not going to hold long. I want you to come up here right now. Real quick, real quick. I'm going to, now the Bible says that two or three will agree touching on any one thing. Now, when I come into agreement with you, the only way this is going to happen is if you are in agreement with the word. If you're asking God to do something that's against his nature, it's not going to happen. If you're asking God for something, understand this. You remember I shared a story about the teacher that wanted to fly in the shuttle and been praying, had the whole church praying to fly in the shuttle. And then all of a sudden, the shuttle blew up. He had complained and griped about God not answering his prayer. And then he realized that if God had answered his prayer, he wouldn't be standing there anymore. Sometimes we're praying for the wrong thing. Turn around, and look at your neighbor and say, I want his will in my life. Are you ready? Stretch your hands. Praise God, I didn't even see you again. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. As you, as you get... Come here. Just stretch your hand to heaven. falling in the floor. What's that about? The Bible said that no man can see God and live. If he touches you, something's going to happen. You may weep, you may cry, you may just smile real big. Something's going to happen. So let's quit looking at the manifestation and let, let's look at the manifester. Just stretch your hands to heaven and say, God, I, be I believe you. I trust. Take a step forward. Stretch your hands to heaven. Okay, look. Let me just a second. I see something. I, I don't hear it. I see something you're asking God for. So this is what I'm asking you. Will you be satisfied with his answer? All right. Then raise your hands and get ready for it. Now, I'm not going to give it to you. He's going to give it to you. Are you ready? Church, stretch your hands to heaven. You
now my unbelief. There's a struggle in you right now. Are you ready for that struggle to get me over? I want you to say with me, Lord, saying, Lord, no, no, not, not like you. Say, Lord, I believe. Say it one more time, Lord, I believe. Now, when you believe, that means that you believe that he knows what's best. You believe that he knows how to do it. So God's saying, don't tell me how to do it. Just trust me to take care of it. Stretch your hand.
your hands to heaven right now. The scripture said, Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we ask or think. What's that tell you? That God will do more than you're capable of even believing him for. So you have to, when you speak it, believe it. You say, but what if it doesn't happen? Look, I'm going to believe it anyway. I'm, I'm going to believe it anyway. What do you, I'll draw my last breath believing that God is a healer. And do you understand that when I do draw my last breath believing that? I'm going to discover he's more a healer than I ever realized because when I open my eyes again, I'm going to have a body, man, that can do anything. That, you know, it's not, not only is there not going to be any pain, but I'm going to be able to walk through walls. I'm going to be able to fly. People hear that and they go, oh, I don't believe that. Well, it'll never happen for you. Don't worry about it. You've got to believe. You've got to speak the word and not speak the word when it's convenient. You speak the word when you're hurting. You speak the word when it, when it looks like nothing is happening. You speak the word because God hears you. And when God hears you, he's faithful not to forget your labor of love. You may not get it the way you want it, but when you get what he's got for you, it's going to be exceedingly abundantly about more than you could ever ask or think. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Look at me just a second. Are you ready? I know it's been a long road, and it hadn't been an easy one. But every road isn't smooth. He told us that. But he did tell us, he said, that where that road leads, when we just keep believing and keep trusting in him. I'm believing God for a tangible touch in your body. She you stretch your hands. we ask not and sometimes we need to be specific with what we're asking right it's kind of like you know Debbie's believing God for a car and she's already told him the color and and everything I mean you know I mean when I believe God for a car I'm just thankful for the car right but Debbie's not I want this and I want this and I want this and I've I've seen God do that for her well, look, he's no respecter person, so if he'll do it for her, he'll do it for me, right? But I have to speak it. I have to believe it. And then if something if something's altered, it's because God knows this is better than what you want. This is, this is better than what you're asking for. How many of you want God to give you what's better, or how many of you want God to give you what you're asking for? Be careful taking what you're asking for, because God knows things you don't know. So say it with me this way. God, I want what you want for me. Stretch your hands to heaven. If anybody's in a hurry, you can leave.
going to let you go. I want to say, I want to say this to you before you leave today, and I want you to hear me. Don't let the devil trap you with this thought process about, I messed up. I can't come to God. I can't talk to God because I've disappointed God. God knew in the beginning what kind of a wrestling match we were in for. So God said, look, I've made provision for you. I've stepped into this wrestling match with you so you don't have to depend on yourself to be able to be victorious. When you find yourself down, get back up. Dust yourself off and let me lift you up all over again. Amen. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Father, we thank you for all you're doing. We declare that you have made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. God, we thank you for salvation, for healing, for your provision. God, we ask, Lord, that you'll enable us, God, equip us to be bold and speak your word in Jesus' name. God bless you. Just no reason for our hair. 